beloved Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I stated that whoever enters the masjid first on the day of Jum'ah, the angels that stand at the door of the masjid, recording and registering all those who attend timelessly and earliest and punctually on the day of Jum'ah, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala answered the reward equivalent to having sacrificed the camel. So therefore, if we want premium parking space, we will also, alhamdulillah, simultaneously achieve prime space in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the first sub regarding which the beloved Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned, إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُسَلْرُونَ عَلَى سُخُوفِ الْأَوَّلِ That Allah and the angels of Allah send salutations upon those who are seated in the first sub of the masjid. Secondly, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُسَلْرُونَ عَلَى عَيَامِنَ السُّخُوفِ That Allah and the angels send salutations and blessings upon those who occupy the right side of the first half of the masjid. After having said that, I would have expected a stampede from those sitting in the back to come and occupy the right space in the first row of the front, but I see we can be a bit uh, uh, shy in that regard. But nevertheless, where Sawab is due, if you want to be saluted by Allah and his angels, that's the place to be, Alhamdulillah. We see those who recognize opportunity and are wanting to exploit that opportunity for the sake of becoming close to Allah, they are taking that opportunity. I will concede that maybe the rest of those who don't want to come to the front are being generous and allowing the others to approve the reward from Allah. So may Allah reward you for your generosity as well. We are reminded of an incident in the life of Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Saddiq. Radiallahu who is Misal Sharif, is this month the greatest of the many with the exclusions of the prophets and the messages of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That when he heard the hadith of the beloved Nabi sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa sallam, that illa awla nasi billahi man bada'ahum bissalam. That the people who are most exalted in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are those who are enthusiastic and those who are eager to take the greeting first to another Muslim. And we have this issue where we will be waiting to be greeted because generally the one who greets first is showing too much of humility and the one who is greeted has an air or a complexity of superiority. So generally people who have high stature will not be the first to greet but will wait to be greeted as fits or as is appropriate to their status. But here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in the greater status belongs to those who greet first, not the one who waits to be greeted first. So when Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq heard this hadith from the Prophet then he became very much accustomed to the habit that whenever he saw anyone, and remember, I was still referred to him as the greatest man that Allah has created, with the exclusion of the Prophet and the messengers of Allah. So therefore there is no wali of Allah, there is no sheikh, there is no grand sheikh, there is no ten grand sheikh that can be greater than Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq The only personalities that Allah has created that is greater than Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq is the Prophet and the Messenger of Allah. Thereafter, he falls into the category of the most exalted man. And so the most exalted man is humbling himself after hearing this hadith of the Prophet that whenever he saw anyone, before they could open their mouths to greet, he would greet first. And then, one day the Prophet sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa sallam also gave a talk where the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned that a Muslim is not one who is selfish but a Muslim is not only one who gives opportunity but creates opportunity for other Muslims to profit and for other Muslims to benefit. And look at, look at the shan of his taqwa and his piety and his conscience 
that should hear something which is good that exalts him in the sight of Allah and then he hears something else from the Prophet that immediately makes him introspect and question his conscience as to if I am the one that is always to be to eagerly greet first am I depriving another Muslim of that sawab as well am I being selfish and I being, am I being unselfless in expecting everything to myself and others should not benefit so one day he he met with another Sahaba of the Prophet وسلم, who knew that the habit of Abu Bakr Siddiq was to greet first. And so the Sahaba waited. And when he saw that Sayyidina Abu Bakr was not greeting first, he asked him, Oh Abu Bakr, I awaited your greeting, why did you not greet me? And he said that our Nabi وسلم, has said that a Muslim is not one who is selfish. A Muslim is one who is selfless. That a Muslim will always provide, create, and give opportunities to other Muslims to earn benefit and to earn ascendancy in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So therefore, I hesitated this time so that I would be able to afford you the opportunity to become close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be included from amongst the exalted of Allah ta'ala by virtue of one simple practice which is to greet first. So like I always said, it is sometimes one observation that leads us into a chain of thought and we find that the minutes expire but it's always good for us to say what is in our minds when it does ignite in our minds because Allah Ta'ala chooses at times what we have to say and Allah chooses what we have to impart yes we do not do it articulately enough we try to bring the balance between that which is mental and that which is emotional so don't always behave or criticize and speak up it's not very really easy to deliver a public address and to therefore it's always important as well to realize that sometimes we express thoughts and we share thoughts and the thoughts might not be agreeable to one and all but rather than gossip about it and slander about it and backbite about it approach these people directly and create awareness of where you think he may have heard allowing the chance to vindicate himself, to probably give the context in which he was intended, and if that satisfies you, then make you offer the person. And if, yes, nobody is beyond reproach, nobody is beyond suggestive criticism, not destructive criticism. Productive criticism and suggestive criticism is something which we all must be able to accept. That if someone is with sincere intent trying to reform us, or trying to improve us, or trying to develop us, that our pride and our ego should not obstruct the fact that we have an opportunity to become better human beings. We will never be the best human being. That is exclusively for the beloved Prophet وسلم, But the expectation of Allah Ta'ala is not for us to be the best of human beings, but to be the best human beings that we can be as individuals, inshallah. So we all aspire to do our best. Nevertheless, all praise are due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Peace and choice and salutations be upon the most beloved of Allah, Sayyidina wa Mawlana Muhammad wa Rasulullah sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa sallam. As we reach the end of the Gregorian year 2023, we know that immediately there is going to be in society and around the world New Year's celebrations and this is a secular concept. It has no place in Islam. Yes, we can define the day as how it is known customarily or socially that it is the day of New Year, it is the commencement of a New Year, but us indulging in those celebrations and us considering to be a very critical, a very significant part of our lives and something that 
we should look forward to where we celebrate like the non-Muslims, where we indulge copiously in frivolity like the non-Muslims. This is absolutely unacceptable in Islam. Or we can define it as the commencement of a new Gregorian year. And yes, we do follow the Gregorian year in some aspects of our life because we live in a secularized country and therefore obviously we diarize our events in, in, in trying to adapt to the societal norms. However, what we should realize is just another day in the life of a believer. It is the 1st of January, we don't go out to numerous parties and numerous bashes and I'm sure our youngsters want to feel a sense of inclusion and a sense of integration with the broader society in terms of their friends. As I always, and I said it last week, only dead fish go with the flow. But we, alhamdulillah, are alive with demand, so we don't go through the flow, we swim against the current and we don't try and fit in because as Muslims we should try and stand out. And that, that stands out is actually more admired and becomes more valuable than that which fits in and saturates itself amongst that which is mundane and, and a novelty in some way. So please, let us all remain very vigilant in terms of our Iman, in terms of our Islam. People wish each other Merry New Year, Happy New Year, and they celebrate. And the ridiculous, absurd part of it is that the 31st of December and the 1st of January is only separated by a few seconds. And people think that in this few seconds, from, from trying to, in some way, dismiss and disregard the problems that they are facing, the difficulties that they are facing, the challenges they are facing, for some reason the brain switches off for these few seconds and automatically in the New Year people celebrate something and they spend copious amounts of money and naturally we find that there are many incidents which take place on the day of New Year and then we find that within a matter of a few hours people have already entered the New Year and there's absolutely nothing good about it but rather they have exacerbated and aggravated the situation that they faced a few hours ago. So in Islam we think, we ponder. We don't, we don't fall for these ridiculous concepts and try to be a part of the party. No, we think differently. We have a higher mindset. We have a greater source of guidance, which is the Quran and the Sunnah. And as long as we hold fast to that, inshallah, every year that we, every year and every day that we make resolutions on how to change our lives and become better from one day to another, that is actually the aspiration and the ambition of a Muslim. Now these are your resolutions and they say from the 1st of January I'm going to abstain from a bad habit, refrain from it, quit it, or I'm going to develop or inculcate a new habit. People make these new year's resolutions. First we should need to ask ourselves how assured are we that we are going to see the new year? We might not see the rest of today. So therefore if we are to make a resolution, make it now. Make hay while the sun shines. We haven't seen sunshine for a few days in Derby. But inshallah, that not means that we cannot make hay even when the rain falls as well. Because that is the conscientiousness of a Muslim. So when we decide to transform and to reform and to rehabilitate, then it's important for us to do it instantaneously. The reason is that Allah has not assured us an extra breath in this world. What we have is what we acknowledge, and what we acknowledge is that the purpose of this book is for us to think of the hereafter and how we make it more successful for us and make it easier for us to gain salvation. So therefore, people have their resolutions that from the 1st of January, and mostly these resolutions are focused on the dunya. People say that I will change my dietary habits, I eat better, I exercise more. 
Others say that I will be more focused on business, or I'll be more focused on money, or I will do this in my home, or renovate my home. No. When we speak of resolution, Islam is here. There's a very, very simple formula. And it's, yes, it's a very, very difficult formula to implement. But the concept is perfect. And you know, there are many times we become blurred by what is concept and what is implementation. We fault the concept for lack of deficiency in implementation. I'll give you an example. There are many laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which we don't understand. Which we know, we understand literally, but we cannot deduce the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that law. And there are many laws which people are not openly opposed to, but they take a slight sense of dissatisfaction. And I'm not going to mention any because maybe I'm going to ruffle a few feathers or people are going to become very sensitive about it. But people have their opinions on certain laws of Allah, which they don't comprehend. The first thing is to doubt any law of Allah. And I've heard this personally on a radio station once, where it was a program regarding polygamy. And we all know it's a sensitive subject. We don't want to tell you to that right now. But there were people who were making statements that were largely bordering on the limits of what is belief and kufr. If we, our emotive responses and our emotional intelligence and emotional maturity cannot subscribe to a concept of Allah which we do not understand in His wisdom to be permissible but with rules and regulations and conditions. But if we totally reject it, the reason is because we cannot psychologically or emotionally understand it and it directly affects us. The natural reaction is that we will make same statements that emotively, of course, reactionally, of course, that made me run into the darkness of Kufa. And I've heard personally people say on the program that this is something that I don't believe in. This is something that I oppose. This was something that was there for a certain time and now it shouldn't be implemented in this day or in the future. And remember, the concept is from Allah. Why or who or how, as much as we interrogate that, we may not understand it or the wisdom of it. Or maybe we do, but we cannot in any way allow our emotions to embrace a sense of personal loss or personal suffering. But that is because the world has designed us and manipulated us to look at things a certain way that it doesn't suit you as an individual and personally it brings some form of destruction to your life, then it is something that must be rejected. Because the aim of life is to live this fantasy that every day should be a happy day, every day we should enjoy, every day we should party, every day we should eat what we want, go where we want, do what we want. If we are not governed by a system or administrated by any type of laws, then you and I are going to lead ourselves into a state of anarchy. So people were making the statements and understood. I understood why they were making it. Because many people do things for the wrong reasons. And many people do things that justify Islam. Fair enough. They do it for personal vested interests, they do it out of their nafs, but they justify Islam. Before we reach the stage of trying to justify that which is Sunnah, Islamity, then we must first reach the stage where we do not miss a fault and an obligation that Allah has placed upon us. When we are able to fulfill the compulsions of the deed, then 
those around you will also be transformed into saying that this is a role model of what a Muslim should be. And any decision you make thereafter will be respected. Why? Because people know that this is an individual that does not compromise on the rules and does not compromise on the commands and the injunctions of the Quran and the Sunnah. When you have attained that type of status with people, already know what you are going to say before you say it, and what you are going to do before you do it, based on the fact that your entire life is founded and based on the Quran and Sunnah, then Alhamdulillah people will trust that the decision that you are making is in the best interest of their writing and it is something that Allah has ordained and therefore it is something that is not prohibited. But when we ourselves do not project the personalities that are that are seeking in a journey to the Quran and the Sunnah, then we justifiably can be questioned and can be interrogated and can be criticized for any other decision that we make based upon the religion when it suits us. So this is something that we need to understand, concept and implementation. If implementation is deficient and there is fault, we cannot blame the concept because the concept is divine. It is from Allah Ta'ala. So whether we understand it or not, everything that comes from Allah is perfect. There is absolutely no fault in it. But we can question the implementation of people. You understand what I'm saying? I'll give you a simple example. Salah is far. The concept of prayer in Islam is the most perfect, beautiful manifestation of worshipping a deity. And that is the only deity of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. But we find people in the masjid that will not take their prayer seriously that will probably not give true regards to their regular or their impurity or not give regard to the sats or the cleanliness of the masjid etc etc. Jay after simply says that the implementation is wrong so therefore we should punish the concept or we should oppose the concept of salah. No. We can't oppose the concept because it is perfect. Allah said, salah, perform your salah. But where the implementation is wrong we need to guide people and we need to advise people. And we need to do it in a manner that is befitting of being appropriate and being respectful to people and doing it in a decent manner as well. So, in a nutshell, there's so many conundrums that we face as Muslims. And we haven't even started to untangle the mess that is in our minds. But slowly but surely, we speak about resolutions. Make the resolution now. We don't have New Year's resolutions. We have New Year's resolutions. But every time we take a breath, we ask ourselves, how can I be a better believer? How can I be a better Muslim? But let me look into my heart. Where are the faults? Where are things that I can improve on? And therefore, if we arise tomorrow in the same state that we were at this very point today, then we have lost. We have lost. And you ask yourself, what have we lost? It is the same state. There is equity, there is equality, there is equilibrium. So if I am today a certain way, and tomorrow I am the same way I was today, it does not mean I've lost. It means I've stagnated. I'm the same. No. The work of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is so true. When the Prophet mentioned, Whoever's two days are equal is a loser. Now, can you understand that? There is no increase, there is no decrease, there is no fluctuation, it's simply stagnation, flatline. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, there are users. Why? Because a believer does not stay the same every second of their lives. 
a believer has a higher thought process that every breath that I take should be a breath of developing myself to become someone better. Not only as a human being, but as a believer and a Muslim. And if we don't have that type of drive, and we don't have that mindset, then unfortunately we are going to regress as an Ummah rather than progress as an Ummah. And I mention it, I, I keep on mentioning this, and wallahi I'm trying to implement the same within my own life. I'm the foremost, as I will always say, as a very objective person, I'm the foremost. This is self-criticism, this is self-analysis. And therefore the question that I ask myself is a question that I feel are very relevant questions, very important questions, and therefore I share these thoughts with you. But all of us should be asking ourselves this question, that we always need to try and become better, not when the world changes, but when we reach the point of knowing what the Quran says, Ya Allah, we heard and we obeyed that there was no deliberative process in between. I heard, but give me some time to think about it. I heard, but let me solve this aspect of my life first, and then I will obey. No, immediately, once you hear it, you obey. Now, the point of what I was trying to say initially, I totally digressed, is that many of us know the new and I feel that what I've just said uh, in this in introduction, very lengthy introduction, so to speak, has some correlation to what I want to say. And I'll bring that point in a bit later about immediate and instantaneous transformation. So with regards to the Islamic era, many of us understand the Hijri calendar. Just being a comparison now, many of us don't know this. But we must also focus on not only the Gregorian calendar, but the Hijri calendar. And simple exercise, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands to, to, to self-expose in any way. But simply first, if I ask anyone, or most of us, what is the Islamic day today? We know who we are. We don't know. But if you ask what is the English day today, I would see 90% of us raising our hands. This just goes to show how absent-minded we are regarding where we are, not only as Muslims, but where we are as Muslims in India, in a month that relates to Islam. Allah Ta'ala has created 12 months. Allah has made four of these months sacred. We know when the month of Ramadan commences. Why? Because it's a lifestyle change. We know the month of Zulqadah, Zulqijah, Rajah. Why? Because these are the months that Allah Ta'ala has exalted. But besides that, there are eight other months that we have no idea about when it commences or when it ends. When the moon was sighted or when the moon was not sighted. And this is in reality a problem. Why? Because the Hijri calendar is also directly related to the memory of Allah and His Prophet And we can't remember the day in which we are in Islamic. How are we going to find an opportunity to remember Allah and the Prophet do we know how the Hijri calendar originated? In the time of Sayyidina Umar, there were some discrepancies regarding payment of zakat and, uh, and, 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 and the anam and when it commenced and when it ended. So Sayyidina Umar produced that this is a very important thing for the rest of the Ummah for generations to come, that there must be a calendar prior to that. The, the dates and the significant years were named in accordance to any event that occurred. For example, Ayyamul Field and the, uh, the, uh, the, the Year of the Elephant. Amul Field, sorry, the Year of the Elephant. So, when this became an issue, Sayyidina Umar pondered as to, in his khilafat, as to how 
the calendar will commence, Islamically for Muslims. So we would know in the Hijri calendar when the world evolves, when the sacred months come, etc., etc. And Alhamdulillah, we have a really developed process now. So it was important for him to find an event that would initiate the Hijri calendar. And he pondered about this because remember, there was a very, very heavy burden and a very big decision that he had to make as a leader of the believer. When should the calendar have commenced? And so he thought of ways in the life of the Prophet and the important parts of the Prophet's life where he could commence the calendar from. And he thought of the birth of the Prophet and then he said that it is not unique to the Prophet because prophets have been born before. He thought of the demise of the Prophet and said it's not unique to the Prophet because prophets have passed away before. He thought about the revelation of the Quran and said it's not unique to the Prophet because books have been revealed before. But there is one aspect of the life of the Prophet that is unique. And when you look at this verse of the Holy Quran, two or three ayats thereafter, which mentions the 12 months and the four sacred months and the, the, the calendar. Few verses after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the most exclusive event of the Prophet and that is the hijrah of the Prophet from Makkah to Makkah to Muqaddama to Madinah to Nawa. Therefore, we know it as the Hijri calendar. So, for example, we are in the year 1445 Hijri, which means 1445 years after the Prophet migrated from Makkah to Medina So how did he, after having made his istikhara, when he saw the construction, the literary construction of the Qur'an, where Allah spoke about the 12 months, thereafter immediately Allah Ta'ala speaks about the hijrah of the Prophet and Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala gave him the wisdom. And Allah Ta'ala not only gave him the wisdom, Allah inspired him to say in Umar anhu that this verse of the Holy Quran, wherein Allah mentions, Illa tal suruhu faqad nasharahullah. That when people refused to have the Prophet Wasallam during the Hijrah, Allah Ta'ala assisted him. Is akhrakahu ladhina kafaru saan yafni'i ibhuma tulaqah. That when the Prophet Wasallam migrated with the companionship of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, that Allah Ta'ala anhu is yafni'i sahibihi la ta'zan illa allaha ma'an. That in the cave, when they were being persecuted, Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu became a bit afraid. He became restless, not for himself but for the life of the Prophet when he became a bit afraid, the Qur'an says, How did the Prophet compose and console and give courage to say that the Bakr said, Don't be afraid, don't grieve, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with us. فَأَنْزَلَ اللَّهُ سَكِينَتَهُ عَلِيهِ وَعِدَّتَهُ بِجُنُودِ يَمْتَرُ And Allah says that He descended peace into the heart of Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq and ate them with armies, the life of which cannot be perceived. And I always love to give this example, that it was a bird that built a nest on top of one of the entry points of the, of the cave. And it was a spider that spun its web on the different entry point of the cave. And when the persecutor, one known persecutor, had come upon the cave and was about to enter Surah Abdul Malik, 
When he was about to enter, he looked at both the entrances and exits of the cave and he said that this could not have been penetrated because the spider's web, which takes a long time to, to, to spin, the spider's web is still intact and a bird being very sensitive would not build a nest in a cave which was inhabited by human beings. So simply looking and being right in front of the cave, it was the spider and it was the bird that Allah sent as the army to protect the Prophet Look at how Allah subhanahu says that when Allah wants to make someone foolish, He can make them a fool. You know, we would think when we need protection, we need security companies, we need burglars, we need alarm systems, we need the police. Well, but Allah can protect you if He loves you in a way that is so obvious, yet it is so powerful that no other force on earth can protect you in the same way. And this was the work of a spider. And think about it, for example, how thick are the burglar guards in our homes? Thick. It's got to be thick, certain inch of steel. So that at times cannot protect us. Allah Ta'ala used the thinnest thread known to man, which is the web of a spider, which if you blow, you will break it apart. But Allah used the thinnest thread known to man to protect the most beloved of his creation. So when the power of Allah comes to the fore, Allah can make those who think they are intelligent look very foolish as well. So this hijrah of the Prophet is where, alhamdulillah, our beautiful hijrah calendar commenced. Next week, I will announce it again as well, inshallah, that we will be observing the 23rd of the 22nd of Janatul Akhir. Next week, Thursday, inshallah, brothers, from the time of Maghrib to the time of Isha, inshallah, we will be commemorating the Wusaw of Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, the Lion of Khalifa, the Muslimin, Amir al-Mu'mineen, whose escapade I have just mentioned. And you know, one more thing, just to, just to increase or evoke some type of love for him and maybe enthusiasm to attend the program. But when the Prophet entered the cave, we all know that there were holes in the cave. Sayyidina Abu Bakr al tore his own garments and plugged the holes so that no creature would come out and harm the Prophet And there was one hole where he had no cloth left. And what did he do? He stuck his heel into that hole so that no danger would come to the Prophet In some narrations there was a snake, but according to a narration of Sayyidina Abu Bakr al it was a scorpion that was in that hole. And he continuously stung continuously, but he would not remove his foot because he would rather bear the pain and the danger than have this danger be exposed to the Prophet. And the Prophet was resting on him. And when the Prophet awoke because of the pain, tears were streaming down the cheeks of Sayyidina Abu Bakr anhu. This blessed teardrop fell upon the blessed face of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Then he woke and asked Abu Bakr, what is the matter? He said, Ya Rasulullah, I've been bitten. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam anointed that wound and that steel with his saliva and immediately it was cured. But you know the demise of Hazrat Abu Bakr was caused it. According to the Hadith Shadiq, that this poison entered his bloodstream, it stayed in his body, and medically we know there's probably a different theory of this. But this is the Qudrat of Allah, and this is Allah's love for Abu Bakr That it entered his bloodstream and remained dormant for his life. And when he passed away, the poison that was in his body for so many years, after having become the Khalifa, having become the beloved of Rasulullah, after having conquered land, the same place that Allah kept him alive with, Allah reactivated it for him to pass away and live this world. But why is that? Because
because someone who loved the Prophet as much as Abu Bakr they loved him. You know, everybody says, I love him so much I give my life for him. You know, you have not lived until you have loved someone worth dying for. And so he said, How I wish I could have given my life for the Prophet. Subhanallah, Allah Ta'ala made sure that his passing away was also in a different context. He having protected the Prophet from harm, that poison entered his body, he made damage, and the poison eventually became the reason why he passed away. So we can conclude that he passed away protecting the life of the Prophet. So say, Uncle, you have that unity. How Allah Ta'ala can He define everything? Tell me that we make dua, inshallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us Let us please attend this program uh, next week, Thursday, from Salatul Maghrib to Salatul Isha. Inshallah, just an announcement as well. Alhamdulillah, I've been requested by a few sisters who attend Jummah on Fridays that Subhanallah, the numbers are growing and our modest little ladies facility can no longer uh, accommodate the numbers. So therefore we have uh, uh, taken the initiative of extending the upstairs section. Yes, we have obviously secluded it. Uh, and for, there's an overflow of our sisters upstairs. Please, you can come through the door into the front section uh, behind uh, the curtain. There are additional facilities that are there for Salah and for Wudu as well. And uh, also, important for us to... Oh, one more thing that slipped my mind. You may have noticed for a few days that Allah has not been given of the loudspeaker. And uh, this is unfortunately due to the fact that uh, to the rains we short-circuited somewhere along our cabling. Uh, the matter was checked up this morning. And we will have to uh, rerun the cables uh, to the speakers. There probably is a breakage somewhere. Chasing the problem may take some time. So please, if you do not hear a man over the loudspeaker, uh, we have been told, especially at this part of the world, it's a bit, bit difficult to, to acquire the necessary equipment with our company's closing. So, inshallah, I've been uh, given the undertaking that by Tuesday uh, this will be sorted out, inshallah. And the reason why I'm announcing this is because the last time this happened, there were rumors that were spreading that uh, the Democratic Alliance uh, objected to the Azan being given over the loudspeaker, and this was a rumor that was going around, and that they had to answer or respond to 500 messages. So, please, for the sake of my own sanity, this is the reason. Uh, let's not create any scandal or sensationalize this. Meaning, inshallah, please note that we are, we do have Salah board, we are there, you can check for the updated times, inshallah. Uh, do I have a from Ali Abdi Bakas, Hassan Bakas, Rahim Abdi Ali, Ibrahim Ali, Aziz Abdi Ali, Muhammad Fazil Fakhruddin, mother and daughter who passed away, Lutfiya Kassan, Mulana Salim Muhammad and family who passed away very tragically in a car accident, Nadia Muhammad, Yahya Muhammad, Uqayya Muhammad and all those who have passed away, we have met Allah Ibrahim Jannah and Jannah and Jannah and Jannah. Do I have a shikhaq, do I have a shikhaq, Ibrahim Muhammad Latif, Yusuf Patan, Falhad Sayyid, Muhammad Nah. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي 
يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد واصحابه وبارك وسلم يا معشر المسلمين رحمه الله قد ورد في الحجر عن سيد البشر انه قال اذا سعد الخطيب على المنبر فلا يتكلم من احدكم ومن تكلم فقبله ومن لغى فلا سمعت له فانصتوا رحمه الله الله اكبر الله اكبر الله اكبر الله اكبر اشهد ان لا اله الا الله اشهد ان لا اله الا الله اشهد ان محمدا رسول أشهد أن محمدا رسول الله حي على السلام الحمد لله الذي 
نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونقول به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان سيدنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله لا سيما على اول التصديق وافضل التحقيق امير المؤمنين سيدنا ابا بكر الصديق رضي الله تعالى عنه وعلى اعدل الاصحاب مزين المنبر والمحراب امير المؤمنين سيدنا عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله تعالى عنه وعلى جامع القران كامل الحياه والايمان امير المؤمنين سيدنا عثمان بن عفان رضي الله تعالى عنه وعلى اسد الله العالم امام المشايخ والمغالب امير المؤمنين سيدنا علي ابن ابي طالب كرم الله تعالى وجهه الكريم على ابنه الكريمين ابي محمد ابي الحسن وابي عبد الله الحسين رضي الله تعالى عنهما وعلى امهما سيده النساء فاطمه الزهراء رضي الله تعالى عنها وعلى سائر الصحابه اجمعين اللهم انصر من نصر دين سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ربنا يا مولانا وجعلنا منهم اللهم اغفر من خذل دين سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ربنا يا مولانا ولا تجعلنا منهم اللهم انصر المسلمين في فلسطين وفي كل مكان اللهم اجد المجاهدين في فلسطين وفي كل مكان واذل اليهوديه والنصارى والمشركين والمنافقين امين يا رب العالمين عباد الله رحمكم الله ان الله يامر بالعدل والاحسان وايتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبذل يعيشكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله ويذكركم وادعوه واستجب لكم ويذكر الله تعالى اعلى واولى واعز واجل واتم واهم واعظم واكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون صفوا صفوفكم يرحمكم الله الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن والله بما تعمل 
وقلب الخاشع ورزق الواسع وحلال طيب وتوبة مسوحة وتوبة قبل الموت ورحمة بعد الموت ورحمة وشفاعة حبيبك وحبيبنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم على يوم وصلى الله تعالى على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين برحمتك يا رب. Allah Akbar, 